0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Golden Walkman Magazine, the literary magazine for your ears. I am one of its editors, David Walker, bringing you the issue for February 2017, which is nonfiction. A wonderful story that I've been really excited to publish for a long time, and finally it's coming out. So uh, I hope you enjoy it as much as we do And uh, we'll get to that in a second. So first things first, I got to talk about the dialogue submissions. I know you're about done hearing about it, but here it is again. Uh, You listen to the music, you write something new, you send it in to us, we send it along to the musical artist and he picks his favorite and we publish it uh, in a few months. So that's... The deadline for that is February 28th. So you gotta get your stuff in. We already have great submissions in, but we want more. So if, if you want to know more about that, you go to goldwalkmag.com slash submit slash dialogues. And uh, you can hear the music there and then start writing, all right? Submitting to us, get your guidelines there. So that's that. I'm gonna be done uh, the 28th. Last thing before we get to the story is the website. By the time you are hearing this, it should be new, it should be up. You might even be listening to this directly from the website. So uh, if you haven't gone to it in a while or you haven't gone to it at all, go to the website. Uh, It's newly designed. We're really proud of it unless um, something came up and the website's the same. can't see why, but things come up. So uh, that's the risk of recording these a little bit earlier, I suppose. But by February 25th, by the time you're listening to it, it should be new. So check it out there. Okay. And last but not least, let's get to this story the story I've been raving about uh, for a while. And it's a wonderful story, sometimes you read a story and you're not exactly sure why you love it so much. You're just swept up in the language of it and the beauty of what's in fo- unfolding in front of you. And that's what happened with this story. I'm not exactly sure, piece by piece by piece, exactly what's happening in this story, but at the end of the day, I really don't care because I, I really love this story a lot. So I hope you enjoy it as much as we did, um, and it is, Natalie Wussaker's story, Reflections on My Talk with HaGaral. Sorry if I butchered that.
1: Reflections on My Talk with HaGaral by Natalie Wussaker. After pancakes this morning made for a friend to say thank you for letting me use his car, and then later when he took me to the bike shop and uttered the name of my ex-lover, Marche, to the bicycle technician. I'm having a lot of mixed feelings. Before I get out of my friend's car, he puts his hand on my shoulder. The weight of his palm stirs up the confusion I've lately been feeling since Marche's exit though my friend is unaware that I've tried him out in love's image when he touches me. His gesture is fleeting, and I struggle to hold eye contact. He is gentle and doesn't notice my uneasiness in the moment. We say goodbye twice through the open window, and I run to my front door on North Roman Street, ducking beneath the tree branches that hangs so low above the path since it's gotten warmer. I fumble momentarily to find the right key. My vulnerability asks to be felt before I can perform tasks and so I stand on the stoop for a moment, softening. The sound of traffic on Claiborne Avenue is slow. The I-10 overpass offers lazy punctuation. A heavy sigh escapes as I unlock the shutter. Brown shade and morning's wet heat subdue my senses. I've gotten into the habit of greeting my house when I enter, a practice that endears me to the structure, like acknowledging an old friend. And by the time I make it down the hall with the light blue ceiling, past the mismatched furniture of the dark living room where I flick on the fan switch, and into the small and messy kitchen where remnants of spelt flour tell the story of where I've been. I'm thoroughly aware that something is not right. Wanting what I don't have begins as a denseness in my chest, leaking gray liquid that will eventually come to pool in my feet. I'm learning not to reject this feeling of dulled anxiety, and instead, to hold it in such a way that the feeling and I have no secrets from each other. Last week, I met with Hagaral at a nearby café after work to have an overdue conversation outside of the chaos of weekly band practice. As trusted a confidant as she's become to me, our ensemble is compartmentalized by the role you play, and communication is not always possible between these thresholds. It's so good to see you, dude. I have so much to tell you. My memory of first meeting Hagaral is unlike film footage playback. The event has become a singular image etched and printed onto my mind's eye. I tell the story of how we came to know one another, like the old Sean No storytellers of Ireland, wandering the land until another story could provide a meal and a bed. Our tale is part of the collective mythology of New Orleans, where shape-shifting can happen far removed from carnival season. A stranger is due at my house to borrow a spare bicycle. Someone knocks, so I unlock the front door in two places and swing open the shutter to reveal the goddess, Kali, surrounded by the neighborhood children. Her dark blue skin radiates white light, and she is silent. Her eyes tell me to prepare, and the children all begin to speak at once. They are inquisitive about me, who I am, and what my house looks like inside. They do not fear the garland of human heads that Callie wears around her neck, nor the blood-smeared sickle she holds in her right hand. The youngest ones ask me why I don't come out when they play games on my stoop. Many months later, I'll dream of them running down the hall that day shrieking with curious excitement leaping up the stairs two at a time to the attic playing hide and seek in the bright hexagonal edition off the living room an hour or so into our talk hagaral brings up the concepts of stillness and waiting the active and passive iterations of allowing i forget all the time she says while my eyes dart back and forth between her brown eyes and red lipstick. That being still in between moments of big action is how transformation finds us. Inside that stillness, that not doing, not trying, we are getting ready to receive what we're not yet ready to receive. She takes a sip of her half-calf and I smile with admiration at her tolerance for outdoor seating and hot coffee in late June. The Pinot Grigio I ordered on a whim and drink too quickly flushes my cheeks. The world beyond our table is beginning to vignette, softening at the edges and losing saturation. And what's been lately buried is starting to come to the surface of my skin something has been eating me alive, teasing me where I can't reach to scratch, and I've been going crazy with the absence of doing, not knowing where to go or how to begin to relax into allowing. The practice of emotionally leaning back was first introduced to me from a video I found online about meditation. I was a grad student living in Ireland, pursuing a degree in socially engaged art that challenged the very core of who I was becoming. The physical act of leaning back on my yoga mat with the intention of only being here now made me aware of the 45 degree angle that had become my neutral posture. Ever searching, ever forward moving, on to the next task, the next challenge, the next cup of tea. What overwhelming relief I felt when I was shown how to simply bear witness to my emotions, in addition to feeling them wholeheartedly, like a mother observing her child. huggerall's own easy posture at the cafe that evening contrasted with the tension, the tightness in my own lower back causing me to shift and adjust to accommodate the discomfort. I try to mimic her angles, one knee up, the other leg slightly askew beneath her chair. Her left hand holds her cup of coffee on the table, and her right arm is fully extended and balanced on her knee. A cigarette she rolled a few minutes earlier has lost its light between her fingers. Talks like this, uninhibited, conscious and vulnerable, with people like Hagaral, honest, devoted yet detached, make me aware of my own capacity for encountering the radiant, unfathomable spectrum of emotional experience that once eluded me. After I'd become a master of art, I'd also become very numb The colors that I learned to correspond with the different chakras or energy stations of my body began to melt into one another, amplified and muted in equal parts. When the Irish winter proved almost too much for my flimsy Floridian tolerance for cold, I began to notice this subtle shift. First, the color red swelled from my pelvis, filling my legs. It warmed the orange hue behind my belly to look like sunset instead of citrus, and the yellow of my solar plexus completely fell away. Doubt was given free rein to elongate mornings spent in bed, trapped between listless sheets, dreaming of the days when the sun used to wake me up vowing to stay swaddled until the weather got better. Then, in complimentary fashion, the disappearance of yellow began to influence the blue that once coated my throat. Unable to speak in plain truths, I surrendered my autonomy to others whose voices were pointed, sharp, and forceful. A couple of years later, I would fantasize about my mouth becoming a fountain that overflows with blue light. A year before that, I would teach myself to sing. In late summer, when my program had ended and the blackberries were coming back but wouldn't fully ripen until I'd already gone home, I took a trip to Ireland's Atlantic coast with some friends. We picked salty sea spinach by the handful on the path that led to the beach. The sky was overcast, though the breeze was warm. The golden gray light allowed us to see great distances across the water, to remote islands with mossy limestone ruins and names like Ross Dohen and Skellig. I observed the magic of this day as if I was looking down on its players through a clouded window. I could not house those emotions in my body. I could only relate to them as if they were a mist that I could step inside but not feel. As difficult as it's been since then to warm the sensation back into my awareness, joy has always been there as the color green. Indigo-steeped knowing and lemon-yellow life purpose are new companions since my arrival in New Orleans. Green joy looks like early summer's grasses, but heart sickness is also green, mossy, or sometimes like sea glass. What I felt this morning in the kitchen after pancakes and the trip to the bike shop was pale olive, Standing in the kitchen, my hand is like an anchor resting on the table. Feeling the quiet of flesh on wood reminds me that breathing is an involuntary miracle, even when the breath is sticky and clings to the ribs, tightening the jaw. I'm staring across the table at Hagaral, chin resting in my palm, when she says, I have to remind myself that longing for shit that isn't here is most likely the same thing as asking for this gift that I'm not ready to receive. I laugh at this forgotten truth, realizing I've been in the chokehold of acute longing. We're honing our ability to sit intimately with uncertainty, to feel every nuanced change in texture, temperature contour and hue. Marchette and I once talked over dinner about our individual experiences with darkness. He said that an astrologer recently told him that he would soon come to know the darker aspects of humanity. I've had an easy life, he said, setting down his fork, shoulders relaxed. I haven't spent much time outside of the light. We were in great contrast at that moment. I looked down at my hand in my lap, pausing generously before finding his gaze and responding. My path has been shrouded these last few years in a thick, often impenetrable cloak of night. I cut away another bite of asparagus, and the knife made a loud clink that seemed to echo through the house. He looked at me with fearful admiration, wide-eyed and silent. It seemed to me then that the tender equality we'd begun to cultivate as new lovers had been struck by lightning, and a cavern now divided us. My borrowed bed frame was recently reclaimed, and I've been sleeping on a mattress on the floor. So close to the earth, I bathe every night in the steam that rises up from the hot ground beneath the hardwood, and I feel like I'm always right in the thick of it, this psycho-spiritual one-pot meal. The charcoal memory of Marchais holds me in those moments when I feel a little too uneasy yet to switch off the light, but I've come to acknowledge that longing does not define me or make me whole. Lying completely still with uncertainty, a practice so agonizing that I'm beginning to commune with the holiest parts of myself. This is where you can find me if I don't answer when you call.
0: Thank you so much for listening to Golden Walkman Magazine this month. Hope you enjoyed it. Come back next month for more. Uh, If you want to know more about the contributor, you go to our website, goldwalkmag.com. We have an Instagram, I believe, now. Uh, Other social media, look for us there, goldwalkmag. That's kind of our handle thing. I'm not sure. I don't usually use Instagram, so I don't know how that works. But anyway, that's all there, so go to that. Find out how to become a contributor at our website goldwalkmag.com. I think I've said that like ten times already. So, but anyway, go there and um, you know look at our dialogue submissions if you have time. We got about three more days to get those in, and we really want more and more and more submissions to give our musical artists to choose from. We are open year-round for our regular submissions, so go there for that and subscribe rate, review, get us up there in the charts so people know about us and we can keep producing this great stuff because we love doing it. So hopefully you love listening to it as much as we love making it. So that's about it for me. I hope you enjoyed this issue and you come back next month. See you then.